Before we get into this episode, I want to let you know that tickets to The One, which is our two-day in-person leadership experience, are now available at early bird pricing. So if you're in Australia or New Zealand, then you're absolutely going to want to check this out. The One is designed to expand leadership capacity with big shifts reported from participants in confidence, communication, directiveness, solutions thinking, decision making and even conflict resolution. You can check out the case studies over on the website of people who have already done this event and the results they experienced across multiple areas of their lives months later. It has just been such a catalyst for change. That's been more impactful and I've had more revelations and light bulb moments go off than anything that I've ever looked at. I feel like my perspective has completely shifted. It's just, it's been life changing for me. Do yourself a favour and get this locked in for yourself before prices go up. Grab your tickets to one of the events in either Australia or New Zealand over at theoneliveevent.com. It's also linked below. Welcome to the Lead a New Future podcast. I'm Kate Ruby Aroha, a senior leadership trainer with close to two decades of experience. The leadership I'm about is one that values respect and transparency while harnessing our ability to effect change. With a clinical background, I've worked within highly acclaimed leadership teams in the health sector of New Zealand before spending a decade facilitating advanced leadership experiences across multiple countries. And here's the thing about leadership. Leadership is just as important within our homes as it is within every level of our community, teams and organisations. In this podcast, you'll find a variety of conversations that connect to our leadership and our lives, where we can impact what matters, where it matters. Let's get into it. All right, straight off the bat, this is one of the most challenging conversations that I've recorded for a podcast. I'm actually going to talk about the night that I called the police on Henari, who is my current husband, my only husband I've had. Um, And I want to be clear about why I'm talking about this here. I'm so committed that in this podcast, we're actually talking about, we're having conversations that really matter, that we actually need to talk about because, you know, these are dialogues that aren't frequently talked about up front. And uh, there's so much around this topic that I want to mention because it's bloody important and I have been I suppose motivated to record this episode after meeting a few women recently and a couple of them you know high profile women who have been entangled currently in relationships that are I would class as very toxic and one of them extremely abusive, but that this level of toxicity and mental abuse has been stepped over and there's been a low bar established in that relationship and basically bad behavior has been accommodated. And I just, I was shocked. I was shocked at what, at where the low bar was set at. And I was shocked at what was getting stepped over and accommodated. And I just thought, fuck. And so knowing what I know and knowing what I've experienced and what I've had to be a stand for and what being a stand for that even looked like in terms of actions, I just thought, oh, should I have to record this episode because it's it's bloody important even if I it's not like a fun <laughs> topic to talk about. Okay, so before I say any further, I want to say this. This actually isn't a conversation around domestic violence um, and 
my 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 I actually have a different kind of point. Um, my point about this conversation is talking about essentially, if I was to summarize it in a nutshell, is essentially about we get what we allow. We get what we allow. And I'm also aware that some people could get very upset with that and I might get a lot of messages and that's actually okay. I do want to say this though, if you're listening to this conversation and you are in an abusive relationship, whether it is physically or whether it is mentally, get help and get support. There is a lot of available support depending on what country you're in. So just get support, find out what's available to you and be smart about it. So um, with that being said, I want to um, talk about the experience that I had, what happened and what I had to get clear about for myself, first and foremost, and lock in as a non-negotiable to even be able to create a, a the family environment that I was committed to creating. So I grew up in a family environment that there was abuse, it was physical and it was mental. And um, I remember, you know, saying to myself, I will never have that as an adult. And I remember the decisioning, like this non-negotiable commitment. And when I say the word commitment, I'm talking about you need to see that word commitment written in bold letters, underlined with a yellow highlighter through it, and then a big circle, and then kind of made 3D with some neon lights pointing at it. I'm talking about a commitment that I was going to create and have a family that was thriving and healthy and safe. And I knew that I could have that if I got non-negotiable, if I wasn't available to be tolerating anything else. And then, you know, I found myself in a relationship with Henari and things in our early relationship was kind of, you know, toxic, if I was to say that. And I remember one night when uh, stuff got, in, I'd say, intimidating. So, you know, Henari also hadn't hit me. And I think that's kind of a trap that women can get into or people can get into where they say, well, they didn't hit me, so it didn't get that bad, so I can't really draw a line in the sand. Whereas actually that's just, you know, it becomes like a bit of a mind fuck because the the bar can get lowered because the standard is well you know they didn't hit you so then of course you can't you know actually put down a boundary so that particular night things got intimidating they felt scary and so I rang the police and I gotta say that was the hardest decision that I've ever made it was scary it was challenging I was terrified of just even ringing the police I felt I felt like I had um, betrayed him, but also I was clear, like really clear on why I'd done it. And, you know, the hard thing was that I didn't want to break up with him. I didn't want our relationship to end. I wasn't doing it out of anger and revenge. And so all of those reasons that, you know, make it even harder to put down the clearest line in the sand like that and to put down a consequence for behavior that's just not okay those are all the reasons why it's easy not to do it, why it's it's so freaking hard to do it. But I did it because I had this commitment of a healthy, thriving family that was safe. And I was committed to doing that with, to having that family with or without him. Now, over time, over that period of time, and it was so such a challenging time, I can't even tell you what, 
over that time, something really got impacted over there with Henari that independently of me, he started doing some major work on himself. Independently of me, he started showing up, getting help, following through, like his whole kind of world shifted when that had happened. And independent of me, he started to really do everything that he could to become the man that he was proud to be. His whole KPI, KPI, Key Performance Indicator for Success, for being a success as a man, became what was the quality of father and of husband that he could be. Now, he did that independently, and this part is key, on his end, just as a result of how impacted he had been. None of that was me asking him to do it. None of that was me trying to convince him to get help. Like, that didn't happen. What happened was I got extremely clear about what I was okay with and what I was not okay with. I got extremely clear on my end about the type of family environment that I was committed to. And then what that meant was I had to be willing to show up with the hard choices and do the hard stuff and follow through and do the things that felt, you know, previously just completely, um, inconceivable like it felt there was a point in my life that that would have felt inconceivable I think there would have been a different version of me perhaps not so committed that could have found that just inconceivable to do yet in doing it because of my unshakable commitment to what I was committed to having inside of our family with or without Henari it then created a catalyst over there with him which independently he then started to question things for himself, relook at things for himself. And the shift happened over there with him 100% him on his ear. Now I want to say that because I had to decide this for myself. But I also really went hands off what he ended up doing with him. I was just watching. I was watching because I was wanting to pay attention to not just what he was saying, but what is he doing over time? And over time, I just saw him continuing to um, put in place the things that he needed and continuing to show up and, and shifting and shifting and shifting. Anyway, fast forward the years and our relationship and our marriage is it's entirely freaking different. We um, There was one point where we actually created a signed family document of our non-negotiables. We've got uh, two kids. We've got a 17-year-old now and a 12-year-old. And we, you know, one night sat down and walked and talked through what non-negotiables actually are. What does it mean to have a non-negotiable, like what is a line in the sand that we're, we agree as a family is not okay that gets crossed? And we had a really interesting conversation as a family around that. And, you know, the kids were involved with actually communicating and, and, and suggesting and saying and kind of debating back and forth about what is okay with us as a family and what is not okay. And we had to work through some interesting things like anger went down initially. And then we all sort of looked at it and one of, I think it was Bailey said about that actually when she really looks at it, like anger's okay because, you know, we can all get pissed off from time to time. Okay, so then if anger's okay, what is then the distinction between being angry in a safe way versus when when does then the, the line get crossed? 
right? And we all had to own that. So what, you know, I suppose why I want to bring these conversations through is because I think there's, I think they're not had. I think we don't talk about stuff like this enough. I don't, I think we also definitely, I don't see a lot of people who have signed family documents of non-negotiables of, you know, that the whole family have got together and talked through what as a family are we okay with and what as a family are we not okay with and talk through the finer details of that and, you know, boiled it down to like, you know, just a few things. So anyway, it was such a big conversation, but we created a contract as a family and we all signed it and we're all really clear because we all have to own what that is, which means I had to look at myself. Like it's really interesting. It was really easy to see that with Henari when I saw it with Henari, but what I hadn't seen also was where I was verbally abusing him. Jeez, plot twist right there. You know, I hadn't owned that I would, didn't do it all the time, but when I got pushed to my max, you know, I would get sweary and blamey and blah, 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 and name calling. Yuck. No. <laughs> so in signing this contract, I had to take accountability for that too. Like we each did within the family and we got to together as a family agree and raise the standard and raise the bound, raise the standard and really cool. So um, I don't really even think I've got in this conversation, like it all tied up in a bow and hey, here's the three-step process of what you're to do from here. But I do want to bring through a really, what I see as a critically important conversation for relationships and for families and for individuals to have the conversations with ourselves individually with what are we okay with and what are we not okay with what am I okay with and what am I not okay with and if I've been tolerating to any level stuff that fundamentally feels like I'm stepping over some stuff that really does not feel okay for me when I check in with myself and I say you know what am I stepping over is it making me feel unhappy then we've got to be willing to have some honest conversations with ourselves first and foremost. And then depending on the situation and the environment that's, or whatever's being stepped over, have the willingness and the ability to put down some boundaries. And then I guess my point is depending on the environment, the situation is how you go about that. Do you, do you involve someone else to bring them in for safety's sake? Do you do it quietly and quickly in the background? Do you Are you upfront with communication? Like every situation is very different. But I guess my point here is like, we really get what we allow to continue. And a lot of times as stink as what this this piece might sound, and I, I'm assuming I'm going to get a shit ton of mess, private messages saying that I'm kind of like victim shaming, which I'm fucking not, to be very clear. What I'm saying here is that we get to fully actually be in the driver's seat around what we will allow and not allow to continue in our lives. And unless we get laser clear with that for ourselves, and unless we're willing to actually draw a line in the sand, then things will typically continue more and more the way that they've always been. And no amount of hoping or wishing or even talking is going to make a difference unless we're willing to put our um, our actions where our words are and to show by drawing lines in the sand and following through, um, then shit doesn't change. 
So in the context of this podcast called She Leads a New Future, I just want to say that, you know, whatever you're experiencing, you absolutely have the power in your hands, even if it hasn't felt like it for some time. And I want you to know how much power you have in any circumstance. And yep, it requires courage. It requires bravery, but leadership does. And I hope you got a ton out of this conversation. Thanks for listening to the podcast. This is a reminder that if you're in Australia or New Zealand and you haven't yet got your tickets to the one, then go to the website now, find the location closest to you and get it sorted. Early bird tickets will be ending soon. Man, massive breakthroughs, like unbelievable having the balls to actually be myself and not run away from challenges that I've probably run away from in the past and take them head on. It's taken me to another place. I'm just not the same person that I was when I walked in. If you get an opportunity to experience this event, do it for you and everyone around you.